That is the familiar music of Bill English, who joins us every Wednesday here on Mornings with Carmen from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Caps. It's good to be back on the air with you. Caps, you know, it is good to be back on the air with you too, Bill. I don't think I've heard Caps since the junior high bus rides on basketball trips right there. So you're taking me back, I don't know, about 100 years it feels like. Oh, there you go. I love it. Well, back, back before you were piled high and deep. Yeah, right? exactly. The PhD that I have, and in, indeed. In, in yes. So, well, yeah. thanks for joining us. It's uh, been great yeah. to have the friendship over these years, and I know I was looking forward to this conversation from Matthew twenty-five and about stewardship. But for listeners listening, if they don't want to open up their biblical text and start thumbing through the story, uh, give us a little sense of what's happening in Matthew twenty-five. Yeah, Matthew 25, this is the parable of the ten talents, the parable of the servants, and in one uh, uh, translation, it's the parable of the bags of gold, but it's about the master who goes away on his journey, and he gives five talents to one servant, two talents to another, and one talent to a third servant. And he says, each according to his ability, that's what he gave them. And then he goes on his journey, and the intention is for the servants to put the money to good use and so that when the master returns, the servants have made a profit on their money. And the first two uh, servants do that, and uh, the, five, the one with five talents returns ten back to the master. The one with two talents returns four. But the one with one talent went and hid it, dug a hole in the ground and hid it because he thought the master was a hard man to please. And as a result, the first two uh, servants uh, get to enjoy the master's wealth and the master's presence, and they get rewarded, and the third servant is sent into outer darkness, I think, where there is weeping and gnashing Mm. of teeth. Hmm. is how it ends. So that's the a summary of that parable. Yeah, it's quite a story, and, and I want to get into some of the dimensions of this story and what we can learn from that. But let's just back up, maybe go to about the 40,000-foot level at first. And you make a sure. statement here as part of your talking points that Christian stewardship is based on a healthy relationship with God. It is not transaction-based. It is relationship-based. And, Bill, I'd love for you to comment on that a little bit further because I know there can be a temptation, and and being a lifelong church kid and a lifelong follower of Jesus, that uh, some of the times in which my soul has dried up, maybe in in the most arid sort of way, is, is when I look at my faith as just a bunch of duties that I have to do, a bunch of moral obligations that somehow God expects expects of me in, in kind of this transaction relationship that he's somehow removed in the heavens, I'm not sure where, and has given us these commands and I'm just supposed to do them. Boy, that dries up the soul pretty quickly when our ongoing life is not sort of immersed within the presence of a relationship with God. Yeah, the relationship is what makes following the rules rich. And, and dynamic and uh, meaningful. If you take the relationship out of it, then obeying the commands of Christ is just duty, and it really will drive a person crazy. By the way, for those listening, these points today come from the article called Entrustments in Christian Stewardship out of Bible and Business. So yeah, uh, my, my, my first point is that a really a top-notch Christian steward is going to focus first on getting to understand the heart of God and developing a solid relationship with God so that he or she can know what God desires uh, out of their stewardship efforts. And this is portrayed actually in verse 24, where the man who received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, this is the one that hid the talent and didn't create a profit. He says, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Well, the master wasn't a hard man. 
the, this this servant did not know the master, and so he had a wrong perception of the master. And how many times <clears throat> do we have a wrong perception of God, and as a result, we go and we do things that are contrary to God's intent? And when I talk about intent, uh, Peter, you know, I, I did a lot of consulting with uh, Special Operations Command down in Tampa, uh, had a security clearance for over 10 years, and uh, I learned about commander intent. And the commander may say to his, to his unit, I want you to go take that hill. Now, he may not be able to tell them all the decisions that they're going to have to make along the way to get to that hill and take it. You know, he isn't going to be able to tell them about the, the swamps or the rivers or the arid areas or other things that they're going to encounter. But he he gives them an intent. This is my intent. I want you to go take this hill. And when you understand the commander's intent, then you can make decisions that are in concert with that intent. When we don't know the heart of God, we don't understand God's intent behind his commands. And so we oftentimes implement the commands in ways that miss the intent. And we that's really betrays the fact that we haven't developed a good relationship with Jesus Christ in the first place. Mm, and this is well said. And before we get to any of the other points, Bill, I'm mindful of obviously the, the very uncertain economic times in which we live. And many families, I'm sure, that are listening have experienced the the profound pain of a job loss and the uncertainty about the future uh, of their economic um, provision. And and in the midst of that, to be able to go to God and, and trust that as well and, and trust in that the, there is an invitation to continue to develop that relationship. I know even for the business that I own, Bill, not too many months ago, we were on the verge of bankruptcy. And that was a very, very scary situation. And, and you have to sort of say, even if the worst happens, I, I still need to be in this relationship because stewardship isn't just about giving money away. It is about the idea that God and I are in this partnership together. Even should the worst come, God will still have my back. You know, isn't it a scary thing to hold your business with an open hand? Ooh, yes. And to say to God at any time, God, you can have this. It's your business to begin with. I'm just stewarding this business. You can have it any time you want it. And, and I think that uh, you, you start in that invitation in those difficult places, right, Bill? And, and it, can, it can lead to a foundation in the future of, of a stewardship with open-handedness. Yeah, it really does. And when you have a stewardship with open-handedness and then you – if you end up making a lot of money, then you don't go build the big house on mm. the nice lake and all that kind of stuff because you're so grateful that you can just give to others who are in need. That's one of the core purposes of business is to create wealth so that the owners can be philanthropic and make sure that those who have need are taken care of. Yeah, it, it certainly creates a space for a different set of questions, that's for sure. That's the voice of Bill English. We're going to take a short break, Bill. When we come back, let's get into some of the specifics of these points from Matthew 25. And I want you to highlight for our listeners a sort of a new Zoom uh, business leader opportunity you've been developing. So stay with us. More to come with Bill English. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner, filling in for the day for Carmen LeBurge. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in. Continuing our conversation with Bill English around just different dimensions of stewardship from Matthew 25. Before we go back to that, Bill, you've launched a new venture here, something about uh, some Zoom meetings for business leaders. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah, about every six weeks on a Saturday morning, I'm hosting a free uh, CEO group Zoom. And we don't we don't meet in person. We meet over Zoom. And uh, we discuss one of these uh, core 
stewardship elements, as it were. And then we go over some other things, some basic tips and tricks on how to run businesses. People share what's going on in their various businesses. And uh, you can be anywhere in the world and attend one of my CEO groups. Uh, all you got to do <clears throat> is to go out to BibleandBusiness.com, and you'll see right at the top, it'll say Next CEO Group Event. And when you click on that, you can scroll all the way down to the bottom and then RSVP for the group. It happens at 9.30 or 9 o'clock Central Time to 10.30 on Saturday mornings. The next one is this coming Saturday from 9 to 10.30. And all you got to do is RSVP. Uh, we have a lot of space left in the group. And so I'm inviting business owners and business leaders who are interested in integrating their, their uh, faith with their role as a business owner or leader to uh, just zoom in and uh, um, attend one of these groups. Yeah, it's quite a remarkable medium and platform, Zoom, is to be able to create a virtual community like that. And uh, so before we end again this morning, I want you to send out that invite one more time where people can go. But let's get back to our, our story from Matthew 25 here. And you have a, a series of points available at BibleandBusiness.com that you've derived from the story and not necessarily going in sequential order here, but I was, it was sort of taken in by point number nine that, that continues where we left off in the last segment. It says that the servants never saw the original talents as their own. They always saw those talents as belonging to the master. And Bill, it's something I've heard in my Christian journey for many, many, many years. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and, and our money is the Lord's, but Day in and day out, it sure often doesn't feel like uh, my money is the Lord's. And, and how does somebody begin to move from a place of understanding that truth of the kingdom to really being able to walk in the truth of that kingdom? Boy, it's really a mindset change. You know, you're you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. And there's a lot of business owners listening. There's a lot of people who have checking accounts. Uh, whether you're a business owner or not, you look at the money in your checking account and you say, that's my money. Yeah. For sure. uh, and really, it isn't. It's God's money. And and he asks you to tithe 10% to him. But even the tithing theology that has been taught, I think, has been wrong. It's been, you know, God gets 10% and you get 90, so you get to do whatever you want with that other 90 because you gave your 10 to God, right? And I just don't see it that way. Um, especially for business owners and leaders, the money that we have in our business checking account really belongs to God. It's there to run the business. God owns the business in a spiritual sense, and it's there to further his kingdom and to accomplish his purposes. It's not our money. The original talents uh, in in the story of Matthew 25, you know, he the master gave five talents to the first servant, and the servant made five more. And what did he do at the end? He gave all ten of them back. Hmm. And which means, uh, by by analogy, that means that all that we have, all that God has given to us, needs to be given back to God. Now, obviously, some money has to be spent on some things here on earth. But our focus should be on making as this is kind of the John Wesley thing, making as much money as we can and saving as much as we can so that we can give away as much as we can. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And uh, it gets into point number five from this article as well, which is profits which we create are to be given back to God to further his agenda. And, and Bill, 
there, there's obviously been a lot of backlash uh, about the idea and the economic system of capitalism because it generates so much wealth and that wealth can then lead to greed and, and often does and, and really hollows out uh, our relationships with one another with this income gap. The, the flip side of that or the correction to capitalism, it seems to be suggested these days, is socialism where there's sort of this forced giving of the money. But in God's kingdom, it's neither one of those two things. There, there is the open-handed, open-hearted creation uh, of profits that then lead to to the the giving away from a sense of one's own free will because you're in a place of gratefulness. You're in a place of recognizing the money is not your own. And so the economic system in God's kingdom is very different than the choices we tend to have in this world. Yeah, we could solve so many of the social problems without socialism if the average Christian would simply tithe 10%. Yeah. You know, the average Christian in the average pew today only tithes about 2 to 2.5%. And uh, they're, they're sh- what that shows is that their heart is not really aligned with God. I think we have a lot of people in church whose hearts are lukewarm and are really not aligned with the Lord. Yeah, the the whole idea would wouldn't it be something if if we could not because the answer to to the sins of capitalism is generosity out of those who have a lot of money. That's the biblical answer. And that's what uh, Jonathan Sachs, in his book, The Dignity of Difference, that's what he argues in one of his chapters, is that it is a moral stain on the church. Now, he's Jewish, and he's talking about, you know, the, the temple and all that, but it's a moral stain on society when the rich don't take care of the poor. Mm. But they don't do that through the government. They do that because they love God, yeah. and they do that because uh, God has quickened their hearts, and therefore they are they, they, they do it from their religious foundation, not their political foundation. That's good stuff. One more, Bill, maybe just in a minute or so here. Point number seven, the size of the profit did not matter to the right. master. Now, now, Bill, i got to take you to task on that one. Isn't it better to have more profits, and, and uh, aren't you a better somehow steward of God's kingdom? No, not at all. It's it's about faithfulness. Mm. Uh, look, the the, the parable uh, rewards the the servant who who got two talents and made two more, and the servant who got five talents and made five more. They got the same reward. So it isn't the amount of the mm. raw dollar amount or the profit that is generated. It is your faithfulness in generating it and then giving that back to God and using it for his kingdom. That's what's at issue there. And that's great stuff. That, that calls to mind the story of the widow's mite, too, uh, in, yeah, in this in terms exactly. of what we have. Well, Bill, we got to uh, leave it there. Exactly. But before we run, a couple things again. If you're listening this morning, you want to catch all of what Bill had to say, you can head to BibleandBusiness.com and see these 10 points from Matthew 25. But one more time, remind our listeners where they can go if they are are a business owner themselves, or they happen to know some business owners where they can participate in this community that you're doing? You know, I'd love for people to join me on Saturday morning at nine o'clock on a Zoom meeting for CEOs and business owners and business leaders. Just go to BibleandBusiness.com, click on Next CEO Group Event, and then scroll down to the bottom and RSVP, and I'd love to see you Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Yeah, great to hear your voice again, Bill. Appreciate our friendship over yeah. all these years. Yeah, me too. It's good. To, it's good to talk with you. Yeah, indeed. We'll, we'll take a break here uh, for some breakpoint and bottom of the hour news, and we'll be joined in the second half of this hour by friend Justin Jepson, who runs the the chapel program here at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and is as dialed in to the thoughts and to the dreams and to the passions and the difficulties of young people today, and what we see in the next generation in God's beautiful kingdom.